It's a beautiful summer's weekend, wasn't it? Balmy, balmy temperatures. It means you put a T-shirt on in the morning and then at night you sit there thinking, look at that, I'm still wearing a T-shirt. You don't have to put on a light sweater. Uh, a pristine day in Wellington as India handed New Zealand another comprehensive lesson in how to play one-day cricket. Whew, I watched the game, but I watched the game with a beer and the windows open and the sun coming in t- into the TV room, and I watched it with my youngest son who's, of course, spending a fantastic summer with us. He's working, but he's also hanging out with us uh, before he ends up returning to university in the capital. I mean, it's just been a lovely, lovely summer in our neck of the woods. So who could believe that pre-season Super Rugby was being played? And who can believe that the official Super Rugby season is now less than two weeks away? It's madness. High to summer. And the rugby is about to start. But it is. Uh, the Blues were playing the Chiefs in Kaikoi. Now, to be honest, actually, the Blues were spanking the Chiefs in Kaikoi, but that wasn't really the news. The news was it was a lovely day. Uh, the news was that 4,000 people sold out the, the local ground. What's it called? Langvist Park? Kaikoi RFC? Uh, the grandstand sold out immediately. Hospitality sold out immediately. General admission was $15 per adult. And then, of course, under 18, it was $5, and under four, it was free, sold out. 4,000 people there. Fantastic. They made money out of the day. The locals did, that's for sure. Uh, Simon Wilson, the reporter, went up there. He's written a lovely story about all the fun and the festivities and the araha that surrounded the players for this afternoon in February. The dancing and the hackers and everything. It was a lovely, lovely day. But he didn't tell all the story. He did mention that nobody actually stayed in Kaikoi. The Blues were in a hotel in Waitangi. Uh, the Chiefs apparently bunked down in Whangarei. And what I've learned today, apparently, the ref stayed the night with his dad, but otherwise everybody else bunked out of town. What wasn't mentioned was this weekend in Kaikoi, there was a tangi happening uh, at the same time. And the departed being commemorated was pretty big in gang circles which means, according to my mates who were there, the main drag of Kaikoi was awash with gang members and their bikes. And the pub was taking overnight guests, but the publican closed his bar on a game day for fear that the tangi commemorations might get, well, how shall we say, a little frenetic in the public bar in Kaikoi. But the weekend passed without incident. So, you know, this was another weekend where there were the two sides of the Kaikoi coin once again playing. Good people in a great place, celebrating a good community event, but there was also a meth and gang-fueled undercurrent never far from the surface. And Simon Wilson in his article also noticed another interesting aspect to the day. Throughout the official ceremonies and all the speechifying, and through all the proud moments of how awesome Kaikoi was... There appeared to be not word of ma- one word of Māori spoken. Not even a kia from the mayor of the far north, John Carter. As Simon said in his article, it was as if they were blind to the people they were talking to. As if they were blind to the people of Kaikoi standing in front of them. I don't know if this uh, lack of tereo was purposeful. Um, but if it wasn't purposeful... Actually, that kind of makes it even more insidious. 
You know, it strikes me that a lot of all these sorts of things are about pride. Pride in people and pride in place. And towns thrive when the people are proud of the town and the town are proud of the people. You can't really expect the people to be proud of the place if there are people running the place who are not necessarily proud of the people's language. In this week, in this week of Waitangi, in 2019, you know, it still amazes me that some people are still so dismissive of the Māori language. And having said that, I know what will happen. I'll be besieged by texts and people calling, well, the language is dead and irrelevant, Andrew. And then there'll be people saying, oh, we need to become one people. The thing about becoming one people is it cuts both ways.